When you ask someone, what's it like to be the parent of a teenager? You get a lot of different answers. I imagined it would be something I would notice, but little things that change and then you look back and you go, hang on, where's that little kid that I knew? It is hard to not treat them as children. Yes, I'm a parent. I know a lot of things, but I don't know everything. Part of it is how hard you're trying, I guess. And while all those answers are pretty common, Parenting a teenager can feel like a pretty lonely place a lot of the time. Being the parent of a teenager can be wonderful, amazing, rewarding. And at the same time, tear your hair out, awake at 3am, question your own insanity difficult. But if it's that tough, then why do we act as if it's something you should just know how to do? If anything, being a parent needs an instruction manual, or at least a set of frequently asked questions. Am I a good parent? Am I setting my kid up for success? How do you cope when your kid is mid-mood swing and you're grimly trying to hold it together? And why do my family holidays look nothing like the ones I'm seeing on Instagram? But most importantly, is my kid going to grow up to be okay? Well, this podcast is going to answer that question. My name is Paul Nicholson and welcome to Partners in Parenting. Over the next six episodes of this podcast, we'll chat to five parents who have grappled with the question, am I being a good parent to my teenager? We'll talk through some common ways that parents of teenagers have come to that question, as well as the ways in which they've found some areas to improve and how they've gone about doing it. Maybe you can too. We'll chat to parenting experts who'll give us the latest science about what the heck is happening in your teenager's brains and how understanding that will give you a massive free kick in making your parenting experience easier. And we'll also let you know, thankfully, that you're actually probably doing a pretty good job already, even if there's things we could all improve on. Throughout this podcast, you'll hear from five parents of teenagers about their experiences helping their kids through adolescence. Hopefully, you might recognise some of the situations these families have gone through and might be able to apply some of their experience to your own parenting. Thinking about teenagehood as a stage in your child's development, it seems to stick out as a time that can be particularly challenging for a lot of parents. When some of us think about our own experience as teenagers too, it can bring up a range of emotions. So, what do the parents we interviewed think? Laura is a mother of three, two daughters aged 18 and 17, and a son who's 15. Thinking back to the beginning of her journey in parenting teenagers, she found that it almost came as a surprise that her little children were rapidly becoming adults. I think I, I imagined it would be something I would notice, but it's so progressive and there's little things that change and then you look back and you go, hang on, where's that little kid that I knew? And you didn't realise that they were changing before your very eyes until you reflect back. I think most parents would be familiar with at least some aspect of that feeling. The feeling that you reckon you've got a pretty good handle on parenting your child by now, only to find that your child is no longer a child anymore and that you've got a full-blown teenager sitting in front of you. For Laura, that came in the feeling of growing distance between herself and her kids. Was just wanting to spend less time as a family, really wanting to be more independent, more time in their bedroom, you know, where friends and other things are an absolute priority over family time, whereas when they're littler, I think they really just like time with mum and dad. Thinking about my son, you know, that was much more engaged in a gaming community and wanting to talk to other people gaming, wanting to spend more time gaming, really having to negotiate a lot around that. 
the other things I think were more withdrawal to his room and and less talking about what was happening in his life too, less volunteering of stuff that was happening at school, probably harder to engage those conversations about what was going on. I really had to pick my moments and ask the right questions or I'd get those conversations shut down pretty quickly. Anna's a mother of four, the eldest being 18 and the youngest being 12. She also found the blurring of the line between child and adult a bit difficult to adjust to. It is hard to not treat them as children. Like I do find that a bit hard because you've always known them as a child. They're still a child. So, you know, you are 16, you're 17, you're 18. That's pretty old. So I do have to keep reminding myself, what was I thinking then? What was I doing then? Whilst Kim, a single mum of four, just found watching her kids go through all the normal stresses of teenage life the hardest thing of all. You've got the chemical reaction as well as the social interaction and the different relationships and it's coming at them from every angle. It really is do this, don't do that, be this, don't be that, fit into a specific mould but be unique. Don't have a label but you need a label to be able to fit in. It's horrible. It is so, so horrible. It's no surprise to parenting experts that parents find that this time in their child's lives can be a tricky time to navigate. Along with our parents, we spoke to parenting experts to try and understand why parents might be going through such a tough time. So my name is Maraid Cardamone-Breen. I'm a psychologist and research fellow in the Parenting and Youth Mental Health Group at Monash University's Turner Institute for Brain and Mental Health. Dr Maraid explains that teenagehood is the time when a lot of changes occur in a young person's brain and both teenagers and their parents will often have a hard time keeping up. This period that we call adolescence is the second greatest period of brain development in our whole lives, second only to the first few years of lives. So if you think about how much a baby changes from when it's born through to, you know, being a toddler, everyone would recognise that those are huge changes, but we don't realise that the same degree of development is actually happening for teenagers. What's happening is a process called pruning. As a child, we all have connections in our brains that we won't necessarily need going into adulthood, and these need to be removed in order to form new connections to help our brains grow, which is great, right? Our teenagers' brains are growing into adulthood, they're developing the capability to think like an adult, and everything's rosy. Except for the fact that brains don't prune and develop evenly, which can lead to the struggle that everyone who's been through teenagehood can relate to. So we have particular areas of the brain that are really not developed in adolescence or in teenagers, and these are the parts of the brains that are sort of responsible for some of the things that teenagers are pretty well known for. Yep, those teenage things. To explain further, here's Maraid's colleague at Monash University, Associate Professor Marie Yap. I'm a psychologist and Associate Professor of Research at Monash University at the Turner Institute for Brain and Mental Health. The part of our brain which accounts for our ability to make considered decisions, to take things into context, you know, consider different perspectives, weigh out the pros and cons, that part of the brain really takes quite a bit longer and happens a bit later, possibly right into mid-20s. So so while there's a surge of impulsive and risk-taking type of tendencies in the teenage years, the ability to manage those impulses and to respond and manage the strong negative emotions that they might have in their teenage years isn't quite fully developed until they're in their early adulthood. That predisposition for strong negative emotions probably explains a lot of our own musical tastes when we were teenagers, huh? 
along with the I hate yous, the you'll never understands, and all the other joys of teenage emotions that are so hard to deal with as a parent. Especially when your kid seems like they've been training for years specifically to become a ninja master in pushing your buttons. But Marie says that isn't necessarily your teenager's fault. They don't just sit there and go, I'm going to just ignore what my mom just told me or I'm going to do exactly what they told me not to do. A lot of it's just because they weren't thinking about it, you know, because there's so much going on in their brain and that they're focusing on, you know, what I'm going to wear, you know, when I go out with my friends tomorrow or, you know, that kind of thing. It's really valuable for parents to remember that, yes, although all I see and here is them annoying me and pushing all the buttons. The reality is there's so much going on for them. Most of the time, for most teenagers, they don't annoy you intentionally. It's simply because they are actually preoccupied by other things that, in their perspective, is so important. And they are actually trying so hard to sort those things out for themselves because that's part of them growing up. So, parenting a teenager is hard. That's pretty well established here. The problem is, though, that the stakes are high for getting parenting right. You see, with all those changes in your teenager's brain, this time in their development is setting them up for the whole rest of their lives. Get it wrong now, and this is potentially where the trouble starts in terms of mental health problems in your teenager down the track. As Marie explains... The research evidence is really clear that parents still have such an important role in terms of their teenagers' development and their well-being. And so there are things that parents do that can actually make a real difference in how well their teenagers develop and how well they cope with challenges in life and how they respond to different experiences that they will face, you know, as they continue to grow and, and face new circumstances. And teaching our kids to face challenges later in life is something all parents of teenagers are thinking about. You might not have heard of Tony Jorm, Emeritus Professor at the Centre for Mental Health at the University of Melbourne, but you'll probably know his work. Along with his wife, Betty Kitchener, Tony helped develop the popular Mental Health First Aid training that has taught almost a million Australian people the basics of how to respond to people in mental health crisis situations. And it's this mission of reducing the harm from mental health problems in the community that means Tony has a particular interest in how we parent our teenagers, as he explains. Parents are important agents for prevention and for early intervention, and that they can have an enduring lifelong impact on mental health. Someone once described parenting as being like the clean water of mental health. So, you know, with physical health and infectious disease, having access to clean water is like absolutely fundamental and having a good parenting experience is fundamental underpinning of mental health throughout life. Things that happen in childhood don't have only an influence on the child when they're young, but they can have an influence right throughout the lifespan. So we find even in older people, and we look at older people with mental health problems, you find there are early childhood experiences that can have an effect right throughout. So it can have a powerful effect. Everybody can just improve a little bit. And although those changes may not be large at an individual level, if everybody did it, that could make a huge difference. So, you know, if showing warmth and care and affection towards children is protective, which we know it is, if we could get every parent just to move a little bit along that continuum to do it a little bit better, you could have a massive effect at a population level. 
So, if you're a parent of a teenager and you're finding it a bit challenging, then that's absolutely okay. All of the parents we interviewed mentioned some of the challenges of going through teenagehood alongside their kids. Whether that's feeling the growing distance in your relationship, struggling to relate to them as not quite adults, not quite children, or just the inevitable arguments and disagreements as our teenagers start to learn how to make their mark on an adult world. And our experts agree this is a challenge too. Your kid's brain is going through more changes than it ever will again in the whole of their adult life. Second only to the transition from infant to toddler in the biggest growing period of their life, full stop. And while parts of their brain are almost fully developing into adulthood, there's other parts, namely the good decision-making and emotional regulation parts, that won't fully develop until much, much later. On top of that, you've got all the usual teenage stuff, social pressures, academic pressures, wearing the right thing, being seen with the right people, which leaves parents to try and parent this fast-changing, impulsive and fickle ball of mood swings, self-doubt and bad decisions. Not really surprising that parenting a teenager is a tough job. So, parenting a teenager is hard, but it's also important. As Tony mentioned, the flow-on effects of good parenting during the teenage years are protective for your child's mental health right throughout the rest of their life. So how do we make sure we get it right? Yes, I'm a parent. I know a lot of things, but I don't know everything. Am I doing the right thing? Do I have the tools that I need for the kids? How do we function as a family? Kim, our single mother of four, asked that question of herself and is one that you might be asking right now too. Am I a good parent? Am I doing the right thing? And it's totally okay to ask that question. We won't go into the debate about good versus bad parents, partly because our experts would argue neither of those things exist, but mostly because you've made the effort to listen to a parenting podcast, so that likely means you care enough to be a good parent already. But that question of, am I doing the right thing, is an easier one for Maraid to answer. Because teenagers don't have the skills yet to deal with those strong emotions, and they also just haven't been faced with a lot of the problems they start to navigate in adolescence. And what they need most from parents, when I say parents, I also mean other adults around them. They need people to teach them how to cope with those strong feelings, you know, what's helpful and what's not, and how to manage problems. So these things don't necessarily come innately. We actually need to learn how to do all this. And that's where parents come in. Because your teenager doesn't yet have the ability or the life experience to deal with some of the things they're likely to be going through for the first time. And of course, maybe act as a bit of a decision filter for those impulsive teenage moments, according to Tony. We want to protect adolescents so that they don't make bad decisions at that point in their life that may have consequences later on you know, which could, you know, for example, happen with, you know, experimentation with alcohol or something like that, and it leads to a consequence that flows on. So you've got to support their development during this period where they're learning to show greater planning, thinking through consequences and self-control, supporting them, but also giving them the freedom to make that transition to uh, be an independent adult. Now, as we hinted at in the beginning of this podcast, nobody should really know how to do that as a parent of a teenager. If you received an instruction manual with your child, well, then you're one of the lucky ones. But for the rest of us, we might need a bit of extra help. All of our five parents featured in this podcast have gone through a parenting program. Specifically, Monash University's Partners in Parenting, or PIP, 
a free, award-winning and evidence-based parenting program that's designed to help you raise your teenager with confidence that totally coincidentally was produced by Marie and Maraid at Monash with help from Tony. And that totally coincidentally shares its name with this podcast. So while we do have a bit of a vested interest here, and while we'd love you to jump online and take a swing at some of the online modules in PIP, what we're really hoping you'll get out of this podcast is the value of putting some time and energy into improving your parenting style in whatever way works for you, both for the sake of your child's mental health and your own. And if all you do is pick up some tips from our parents or our experts on how to improve your parenting at home, well, that's great. So, where do our parents see the value of doing a parenting program? Or at least learning a thing or two about how to be a better parent? Mum of three teenagers, Laura, came to Pip because she and her husband were sick of the constant negativity surrounding the relationship with her teenagers. And they both disagreed on the best way to tackle the problem. I actually sought help from a counsellor, like an online counsellor, through my workplace to start with, to say I'm really struggling with parenting teenagers. And when I spoke to this counsellor, I said, this is part of the problem. We're not on the same page. And that's when she and I kind of brainstormed the idea that doing a parenting program together, so we both had the same input. So Laura and her husband tackled Pip together. One of the things that Laura found most helpful in her parenting was learning about the brain development of teenagers. So it helps you separate certain behaviours from your child and that you can still love the child and hate the behaviour. I know they're kind of cliche things, but... Really understanding that helped me a lot. That was empowering for me and it was empowering for my son because then when his behaviour was off the charts, I could say out loud, I know this is because your brain is 14 years old and it doesn't work in the way that I want it to right now, which actually meant that I wasn't saying that he was being a bad person or he was, you know, we kind of had a reason for it. It was still not a great experience, but having a reason for it helped us work through it better. For Julia, the best aspect of doing a parenting program like PIP was unlearning some of the unhelpful aspects that she'd picked up from her own upbringing. We were brought up in our European culture to echo how we were brought up and almost inflict ourselves onto the child. And it was a point of pride if the child rebelled how harshly and swiftly you could sort of whack them back into shape. And I know that when I heard about PIP, one of the barriers to me attending PIP was, no, I'm going to hear all this Australian stuff that doesn't fly in our culture. And I also felt as I was learning PIP and learning these more gentle techniques, I was almost betraying my first culture, my European culture, because it was a totally different way of dealing with kids and also accepting that the kids or the teenagers are almost on your level, which is just not on in a European culture. The parent is way above the child and the child has to live that sort of underperson role. And then when you have your children, you can be high up and they can be under you. <laughs> you know? It's a fear-driven technique, whereas... PIP is not, it's not fear-driven. Like if, if the child doesn't solve the problem, that, that's not a fear anymore of mine because the goal of PIP is for the parent and the child to come together or remain together and possibly for the child to identify their feelings. Julia persevered with this new way of thinking 
When her son went through a particularly tough stage of his life that included drug problems and homelessness, Julia reckons that the parenting techniques she learned were one of the key reasons she, her husband and her son were all still able to maintain a relationship. The contact was fairly benign, not arguments and stuff like that. And if it did descend into an argument, we would just say, let's just cut it off here. So really Pip helped us maintain and build on a relationship. I don't know where we would be with my son today if we had gone the old route where we had to continually assert ourselves and dominate him as parents, which was culturally the way that both my husband and I were brought up. We're um, from a European background. For Kim, she found that the biggest advantage of going through a parenting program was just the reassurance that deep down she was actually doing a pretty good job. With the PIP program, the best thing that it did for me was it validated everything that I was doing. But sometimes you just need that separate advice, that separate feedback. And it's helped her to better understand her own mental health and communicate her own needs with her kids without feeling like a nag or like she's being selfish. As parents, I think that we also forget ourselves a lot. Our title is parent. Our title is mum and dad. Anything that we think of in regards to things such as self-care, doing stuff for ourselves, we feel guilt. We feel a little bit selfish. But it has helped in regards to me setting boundaries and communicating with the kids, I hope, for them to see there's also a separation between parent and individual person, myself. I'm not just mum. I'm also a student. I also work. I have all of these other interests. So to a certain degree, it has helped, yeah, bring in boundaries for all of us and to have those conversations as well as individuals, including me. If you're not quite sure how to parent a teenager, that's okay. It's undeniable that it's a really hard job. Just as you're starting to get comfortable with the idea of parenting a child, this child enters a massive transition phase where their brain and their needs are changing all the time. And it's really hard as a parent to keep up. But it is an important thing to get better at. And you can get better at it. Whether that's through doing a parenting program like PIP or just improving your knowledge through other trusted resources as well. But our parenting experts all agree that you're probably not a bad parent, even though there's some things we could all improve on. It's not a sort of a one-dimensional thing where there are good parents at one end and bad at the other. There are all these different aspects of parenting and people are all along the continuum in these different aspects and we all have a profile of you know, being better at this and not so good at this. And it's a matter of sort of building up in that profile where we could improve a little bit. It's not an innate skill that you're just born with and you just know how to do it. But there's lots of things that you can do and there's lots of places that you can learn. So there's so many you know, books out there you know, online resources, programs, lots of information. So I'd suggest learning, trying to build knowledge and skills, trying out different things if what you're doing is not working, finding some kind of resource to try and try a different approach and see what works um, for you and your, your child. There's no perfect parent, they are well-intentioned parents. And I think for most of us as parents, we want the best for our kids and we try our best to do the right thing. But it's really important to acknowledge that parenting is a skill. It's not something you're born with. It's something that, of course, you're influenced by your own upbringing and, and your experiences as you grow up. But it's a skill that we then develop when we become parents and as our kids grow and with life experience and so on. And so if we recognize that it's a skill, just as we would have no problem, you know, 
watching YouTube videos to learn how to improve our cooking skills or if you're trying to knit or do crochet and things like that. You know, it's the same thing with parenting. We can improve it as a skill and learning tips from programs like PIP is certainly one good way to do it. The rest of this podcast series will focus on aspects of parenting a teenager that you might find difficult. Whether it's feeling like your relationship is deteriorating, feeling like the level of conflict in your home is increasing, or just feeling like your teenager is struggling with being a teenager and you've got no idea how to help them. These are all totally okay and normal teenage problems. You'll hear from our parents who have been through similar situations and all come up with solutions that work for them. And from our experts who will explain what's going on and why the solutions will work. So no matter how much you or your teenager is struggling, it's going to be okay. If you're interested in some more parenting resources to help you raise your teen with confidence, or you'd like to give the Partners in Parenting online program a try, head to the website at partnersinparenting.com.au. We'll be taking a closer look at some of the themes in the program in later episodes. In our next episode, we'll be taking a look at one of the hallmark elements of being the parent of a teenager, feeling shut out by your kids. They only see us like, hi mum, bye mum, that sort of thing. Have I not been paying attention? Have I done something wrong here because I should know these these things and um, feeling disconnected? I used to think, oh, it's not me, it's all the kids. But then I realised it wasn't. It was me as well. (laughs) It's okay if your teenager's shutting you out on the next episode of Partners in Parenting. This podcast features experts Associate Professor Marie Yap and psychologist and research fellow Mairead Cardamone-Breen, both from Monash University, and Emeritus Professor Tony Jorm from the Centre for Mental Health at the University of Melbourne. Special thanks goes to all the parent participants from the program who were willing to tell their stories. This podcast was produced on the traditional lands of the Bunurong people by Jetstreamer, in conjunction with Action Lab at Monash University. For more information about the Partners in Parenting program, or if you'd like to get involved, visit partnersinparenting.com.au.